You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and the SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hola, Grump. We have a uh, a rare Monday program where we're talking about a win. Well, actually, three of the last four weeks we've had a discussion about a win, so um, it's just not been as torturous as last year's season was, so, you know, for this podcast or the Giants season. Well... At this time last year, we were, I believe, talking about a head coach being fired, right? It was one year ago this weekend, yes. Yeah, and how interesting that the Giants have now officially had their fourth win, one better than last year, and Green Bay has fired their head coach, Mike McCarthy. Sometimes it takes something as shocking as a loss at home to Arizona to inspire change um i can go back to my days with florida football and a terrible loss to mississippi state caused the firing of ron zook where it's not you know death by paper cut you need to rip the band-aid off and you know i i I heard tony dungy's passionate plea how it was the wrong thing to do but yeah the shelf life of winning a super bowl only goes so far if there is no moving forward and, you know, a lot of people in this town were ready to dump Tom Coughlin, who'd won two Super Bowls. A lot of people, you know, they're ready to move on from Eli Manning, even though he won you two Super Bowls. So that doesn't give you a lifetime pass at your job. And you know, there's going to be quite a few jobs open this uh, this offseason. And if you're going to make the move, you might as well make the move now and, and start, you know, start your not, process. With clan- not with the clandestine back channel looking for a a head coach, be out there, be proactive. I mean, you still have Aaron Rodgers as yeah. your quarterback. It's it's going to be interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's just funny to me. There's so much that's similar. I'm not going to sit here and compare Aaron Rodgers to Eli Manning, but I'll say you have two teams that roster-wise, I'm not really sure what's going on overall, but you have Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks. It's an attractive job, a, a big market team. It's interesting. And and yeah. but both coaches from the same coaching tree, or, or rather Ben McAdoo from that, you know, sort of Mike McCarthy style offense that it just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard something just over the weekend. I think it was on Bill Simmons' podcast talking about the only two guys from the Mike McCarthy family tree, family tree, <laughs> coaching tree are Joe Philbin and Ben McAdoo. So. He's been around for 12 years. You know, compare that to guys like Belichick and Parcells and Walsh. You know, have second and third generations of coaches come by, and mm-hmm. you know, it's been interesting that uh, you know if you don't have an Aaron Rodgers, you, know, you really are tied ultimately to your players. You could be the greatest coach. I mean, Bill Belichick was a was a failure with Cleveland. You know. All these coaches, you can go back and say in the wrong situation. So it ultimately comes down to players. It's been a while since, you know, even this season we were kind of getting away from our stars and farts part of our, our program just because the yeah. season was so lost. And we, we gave up on it early last year. But 
you know, we've seen some encouraging stuff. I mean, this is a rebuilding roster. This is a, you know, a a team headed in a new direction. And we've seen some stuff that's encouraging and should be called out, right? Yeah, let's not worry so much about how we won, how we almost choked, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's really the secondary story. You all watch the game. You all know. We're not going to get into too much of that. You're exactly right, Grump. There are some things we are seeing some development, and we're seeing, you know, some young guys taking that step almost week by week. And I think we're going to – I think we're probably on the same page of who our stars are for the game. Well, let's jump right into it. Um, I mean, I- I'm going to start with the the most obvious one. Um, I think he's been a star every game that I've ever done stars and farts. Um, and he might just be rookie of the year. It's Saquon Barkley. <laughs> That's a pretty good way to start. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so Barkley had uh, 146 yards from scrimmage. Uh, 24 rushes and three catches. No touchdown this week, but if I take you back to the second quarter, um, the game is tied 7-7. The Giants sort of got off to a quick start and offensively had done shit. It's now, in a two-minute drive scenario, the Giants took two sacks. They're looking at a third and 23. They run a give-up play, which is a I think it was a, a draw play. I don't think it was a pass. I think it was a run. Mm-hmm. And Barkley, literally entirely on his own, took it 22 yards to a fourth and one. And I believe they kicked the field goal right from there, right? Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about the top ten plays of Saquon Barkley this season, I think you can say seven to eight of them are, he did this on his own Yeah. type of, you know. When, you know, at some point when this offensive line is rebuilt and it becomes a strength of this team, this guy is going to be something special. He already is something special, but something that maybe you don't need to have a, you know, a top one or two quarterback to be a very successful offense when you have a guy like this. So Interesting um, choice of words. <laughs> um, I, I will say that one play, while he didn't even get the first down, I think was a catalyst for the the game turning around. It really started to look like the Bears were making some noise, figuring some things out. And, uh, you know, right after that, they kicked the field goal. They start the second half with the ball. I I, I really think started to put the dagger a little bit further into the heart of the Chicago Bears on that that one play that he did pretty much everything on his own. Yeah, let me ask you, Grump. You know, Mm -hmm. we complained last week that he did not have enough carries, especially in the second half last week. Based upon the way the game was playing out this week, based upon the conditions, based upon the score, do you feel a little better with the, uh, you know, the distribution of how many carries he had? Do you still think we should be running him a little more? Or how did you feel after yesterday? I don't know. I think in the hunt, if, if they're really trying, it, it, let's just say they have three more wins than they do and they're kind of neck and neck with Dallas with Philly right on their heels or Washington right on their heels. I I think he should get maybe a few more carries. Uh, uh, this week I think was okay. Um, last week more carries, but in this lost season, I'm really confused as to how much he did get. I mean, I'm a when it comes to every down running backs that were every down running backs in college, I get worried about their overuse right about now in their rookie mm-hmm. year. Um, and there was 
there was one set of plays, I believe I even tweeted it out, I, I had no idea why Barkley was out there. He had just hurtled a guy, landed on a shoulder, left the game in pain. I, I, left the game for two plays. For two plays he came out. And then he came out there for what was essentially a field goal setup drive for three plays where he essentially centered the ball to run the clock for a field goal and was just getting – anyone could have done that. That could have been accomplished by a kneel down. That could have been Wayne Gallman. That could have been anybody. But let me tell you something, though, why I think it was him. What's been one of the most amazing things about him this year that has really hurt giant rookie running backs, especially in their rookie years and their development? He has no fumbles this year. That's true. He, he has uh, vice grips for hands this year. That's so a, that's I think a good a point that, that I don't is, think anyone's talking about. Yeah, I, I think that is something where they have – a much more implicit trust in him than they would for not even just for rookies, but just for people. So mm. again, you know, I, I'm going through stats now. Uh, he had 24 carries for 125. Mm-hmm. That's not really, you know, that's I would say average for what your number one back, who's going to be, who's basically right now the strength of your offense. I mean, if we're getting to 28, 29, 30, that's one thing, but you know, 24 is relative to how much he's carried it this year. I don't think is a problem. No, I don't think it's a problem. I think, I think given the game situation, I, I, you know, I'm just he, he, uh, it's it's so tough to see him laying down on the turf. It, it means too much. He's too important. You know that that's all. I I don't think the 24 carries themselves. Yeah. You know, was too much for me. But you know, when when I'm worrying about a guy breaking down. And then I see that. That's where I start to get nervous. But in terms of if you want to put it in a vacuum and just look at the numbers, no, I have no problem with 24 rushes. So how many carries do you think he has? We have played 12 games. Over 300. 195. 195 attempts for 954 yards. That's a 4.9 average, uh, eight touchdowns. He also has 74 receptions. But that's not the the toll on the body. Seventy four receptions. That's only three less than Beckham. That's that's insane. Yeah. Um, he has one ninety five in twelve weeks. That's only sixteen carries a game. Exactly. So I that's mean, his pretty usage. Nuts. His usage is not. Well, you're, we're also talking up the up. You know, they've game planned pretty well. I mean. You know, in the beginning of the season, I think there was a real lack of trust in the offensive line and running up the mm-hmm. middle. We've seen a huge turnaround in that in the last couple weeks. Uh, yeah. But he was utilized in the passing game. I mean, if you think of that Thursday night game against uh, Philadelphia, I think that was like almost every play he had was just a swing pass. Yeah. But, I mean, my, my point being is that I don't feel that, you know, he's getting to week 13 and 14. That's more than he played last year at Penn State. So you're going to see that mm-hmm. rookie w- wall being hit at some point. But – I don't think he has these significant mileage on the legs this year. So I think it's you know, a natural rookie thing. Okay. And we'll see. We'll see as we get to week, you know, 16, 17. If it's, uh, you know, you might see something if we're out of it, out of it. And, you know, even if the game is meaningless for Dallas or something, you might see him just get a DMP just to kind of, you know, get ready for next year. Yeah. Uh, what about you? You have another star? I have a star, uh, B.J. Hill. Wow, I, I thought you weren't going to pick him. I had him too. Go ahead. I, you know something? 
we knew when Snacks was traded that this running defense was going to be, you know, a problem. The defensive line would be a problem, and he keeps getting better and better. And he had a fantastic game yesterday. Uh, hit two sacks, I believe. I remembered two. The the box score actually says three. Yeah, you got, you got to remember something too that um, uh, what's his name had two sacks where he just it was bad snaps and he fumbled oh. and he just fell on him too. So Fair he might enough. get credit for that. So, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely see a guy that's handling the position as a rookie and shouldering a lot more load than he thought he probably was going to in training camp. So I give him a star. Yeah, and two tackles for a loss. I mean, we it's exactly like you said. I, I don't think either one of us really thought he was going to be part of the starting rotation at the beginning of the year, certainly not when he was drafted. And here we are, you know, relying on him to have big games with, with Snacks having been traded. And um, he's really not been a liability whatsoever. No, not at all. Uh, we have a buddy that we uh, went to NC State. We talked to him mm-hmm. when we were down in Charlotte, and he said, you know, Chubb got a lot of the headlines, but B.J. Hill, watch for him. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he had a bit of an I told you so kind of moment when we were in Carolina with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a 63-yard field goal to win, we'll give that to you. Well, speaking of 63-yard field goals, I have Aldrich Rosas in there. Uh we were concerned about him last year. He was a bit shaky. It was one of the guys we were keying on in the offseason. He won his job handily. Didn't even seem like a competition. And so far this year, he's been money. Just absolute money. And to the point where they're considering him for the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, dude booted yeah. a 57-yard field goal with a bit of extra room to spare. It's a team record which neither one of us knew. And Grump and I, we were, you know, our seats are in, we're in that end zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't even for a minute flinch on him kicking it. No, like, no, no. Right, go for it. Yeah. Go for it. We, we think he can do it. And you know, that's fantastic. Big part of the game too. Like, you know, those, you want to tack those extra points on. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's, that was coming right off of Barkley's uh, third and 23, 22 yard run. Exactly. And that went right into the half where then the Giants, I believe, started the second half with the ball. Mm-hmm. So it was a major turning point. He could have just as easily missed it and nobody would have really given him too much shit for it. And, you know, he drilled it. Uh, I believe there was like a, a whole story about how he doesn't even look at the yard marker when he's kicking field goals. He's just like see ball, kick ball. Uh, you know, whatever works. If yeah. He has no idea that he's kicking 60-yard field goals. and Good for him. Right. One other thing I wanted to mention about Rosas is that uh, his overtime field goal, he you know he was ice. He essentially won the game, um, whereas you know Mason Crosby and Green Bay got his head coach fired <laughs> by missing at the closing seconds of the fourth quarter. Yeesh. I have another star. Go for Someone it. Someone I've been pretty down on this year, and I do not think we'll be back next year. But he's been playing better. Janoris Jenkins. Okay. I'll let you sound off on him because I know you love him so much. Yeah, I don't like him. Uh, I'm not a fan. But uh, he's been playing better the last couple of weeks. I mean, he he gave some no-show efforts around week six, seven, eight, where, you know, the question was going to be, was he going to make stay on this team when they got to, um, uh, you know, the trade deadline or something? 
Yeah. And he saved the game with that fourth down play. And he had good coverage most of the game. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give him a star. Now, granted, he's not a long-term piece like we were talking about uh, B.J. Hill or, you know, Rojas, Rojas or anybody. But, you know, he, I'll give credit where credit is due. Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty much locked down. He hasn't really been targeted much in the last couple of weeks, and when he has, he's been in great coverage. That last play of the game, you know, in I guess in the moment, I thought it was going to be called for pass interference, but it was because we were seeing flag after flag at the end yeah. there. And, we were uh, playing a little losers-lose at the end of the fourth quarter, so it wasn't surprising if we would have saw a flag. Um, yeah, and uh, there was some contact there, but no no call, and it was a game-saving uh, play there, deep mm-hmm. down the middle of the field to swat the ball away. Yeah, I agree with you. And what's interesting how he's kind of viewed as not part of the long-term success, whereas two years ago when he was taken in was a part of that four, you know, core of dudes that were brought in here to be young, big-money guys that were going to take this team to a championship and – it just kind of it all fell apart, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Can I give one more? You can. Grant Haley. All right. Uh, the guy is getting better and better. You know, the more reps he's getting and the more playing time he's getting, and he's uh, he's certainly not a liability out there anymore. So it's good. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see another guy that you're trying to look fat for in a lost season. Nuggets of things we can build on, and I think I'm going to put him in that category. Yeah, and I think that tends to happen with nickel and dime corners. They're not really drafted, right? Um, right. They seem to come out of the woodwork or they're drafted pretty low. Uh, you know, it was a guy who I thought had a lot of spunk in, in preseason. I was excited that he made the roster. I was happy for him, even if it was just the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want the Giants to give up on him, and he's shown it. I mean, he's, he's come in, and th- th- these games – are games for him to be picked on. You know, sure. backup quarterback, safe, easy throws, the short stuff, that's nickel corner all the way. Where you and, have to show technique and be sound. Yeah. Because you make one fuck up, and then they're off to the races on your dime. Yeah, and, and I'm with you. I think at one point he upended Jordan Howard, who might have 60 pounds on him. Yes. Uh, the dude's fearless. He plays well. I, I'm happy for him. Um, I have one, and it, it's a dude that I think most Giants fans have been down on all year, but I, I don't think we can even continue this broadcast without mentioning his name, but Alec Ogletree, right? Oh, God, yeah. We weren't even in our seats. I mean, we were... We well, were well, 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 well. Someone would have been in their seats. Somebody else was kind of late. <laughs> all right, well, let's... In all proper disclosure, I was kind of a train wreck Sunday morning. Just <laughs> listen, my fellow podcast friends out there. <laughs> You've had those Sunday mornings where nothing is going right. You can't find, you can't find your giant jacket. You can't find your giant jockey shorts. You can't find anything. Where are your keys? Oh shit! I forgot my wallet. Oh shit! The train at Penn Station. One of those Sunday mornings. So cut me a little slack. It's happened to all of us in this lost season. Even the cranky fan can have a bad day. So, so yes. We were heading to our seats because I was late. <laughs> well, we we did get to catch the. Uh, I mean, it's the second play of the game, so let's let's. Uh, it it wasn't like we were super late, but yeah, we we were at <laughs> we the Jameson in the third quarter. We're not an <laughs> LA crowd or anything. <laughs> we we were leaving the Jameson room to get to our seats. The second play of the game, 
you know, Ogletree picks off Chase Daniel and runs it in for the touchdown. That's the second time this year he's had a pick six. Uh, his fourth interception of the year came later on. It was one-handed. That might yes, have saved a touchdown. It was uh, beautiful, yeah. An insane game. Ten total tackles, two interceptions, and a touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of guy that they were really hoping to have signed. I think that's pretty much the best of him. Uh, really, what they've got to do is find a way to scheme the worst of him to be better than it is. Yeah, and Grump has harped on this. You know, the beginning of the season, we had our get-off-the-ledge episode and everything where this defense is still learning how to play in a new scheme. Mm-hmm. And... You are seeing offensively and defensively more cohesion on both sides of the ball. And, you know, is Alec Ogletree a long-term answer on this team? Probably not. Probably not. not. Is he going to be making what he makes this year next year? Better not. Probably not. But, you know something? If you continue to show, you know, leadership, you continue to show, you know, development and growth in this system – I, I don't believe anybody out there is going to be willing to pay the Alec Ogletree contract again for him. But you know something? You make yourself valuable to a team. Things can be worked out, and you can stay on this team. And, he's, and a guy like him is going to be needed as we transition new guys going forward via the draft, via you know free agency, via trades and things. So we're not throwing everybody out you know, with the bathwater just because we're starting fresh. Guys that will help this team in that interim period, you know, will be identified and will be kept. Um, I didn't really have individual farts for this game. I don't think one player played particularly bad. I mean, the usual suspects had shit performances like Curtis Riley, etc. <laughs> he took my fart away. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll say, you know, we'll Go ahead. give Eli a little bit of a fart. I mean, yeah, he played Eli, very Eli, poorly. Eli did not play well. Yeah, we, we, we've been making a little bit of excuse with him about all the other factors around him, but he played awful in the first half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're just seeing, again, when things aren't going well and the offensive line isn't protecting, you're just seeing that statue back there. And it's frustrating, but that's just, he is what he is back there. So I, I would just give a little bit of a fart just by, you know, just was a, a poor performance. Yeah, it's by no means praise when I say this, but... I just didn't think that he played bad enough to warrant a fart. I mean, he did not nah. play well. They won despite his his greatest effort to screw everything up. But that was a yeah, a little more of a, like a silent but deadly as opposed to an all out just it just total flatulence yeah, in the elevator kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I I mean the the real fart that I had is that like defensively, but a little bit offensively too. This weekend, last week, the penalty flags are out of control. Yeah. They're out of control. It, all year, it's been – they must have been one of the least penalized teams, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, the yes. last two weeks, they have been just insane, and it nearly killed them in this game. The whole final two drives of the fourth quarter where they gave up 10 points was all flags. And sometimes it's bullshit, sometimes it's not, but, you know, they don't call – You can only call bullshit so often before yeah. at some point it's like you got to play smart. Yeah. At, at a certain point, yeah, you understand what the refs are and aren't calling, and if they're calling it close, you back off and do something. You figure out a way around it. I, I don't like using the referees as an excuse for anything, even if it's too many flags. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely playing losers-lose in that fourth quarter. I mean, everything that was, you know, third and 12 first down. Uh, they, they they convert four, two fourth downs in the, in the fourth quarter. 
I'm not sure. I, I, I think I don't think they had a single third down conversion on the last two drives. I think they were all flags. They're penalty induced, but I think there was at least one fourth down that was converted. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, it was just uh. Sometimes they were things. away from the play. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah. That's a well. You know, again, you're playing a lot of young guys. You're playing. You know. You're you're not playing with the cohesion of the team that you had in the beginning of the season. You know, there's so it's not trying to make excuses for it, but I can kind of understand the sloppiness and the weather. The conditions were pretty crappy. Yeah. Also, I mean, there were a lot of drops on both sides. Um. But you know, it just was not a pretty thing to watch. That's that's really all I had for farts. Yeah, I mean, do we think the uh, you think the coaching did a better job than the week before? We were pretty annoyed the week before. I didn't see anything that stood out as a bad decision. I thought the game plan was pretty good. Uh, I mean, you know, whether it's the offensive line or a combination of the offensive line and the game planning. This was not the Eli murder fest that I really was expecting. I mean, the defense played about what I expected against a backup quarterback and a above-average, slightly offense. Mm-hmm. The, the The Giants' offense played far better than I expected against a very, very talented defense. Yeah. I mean, every team in the NFL has that one weekend where they just lay a turd. I mean, if you want to go through, you know— how did New Orleans lose at home to Tampa Bay? How did, you know, for all the problems Green Bay had, how did they lose at home to Arizona? I mean, it is very, very, very hard to win a vast majority of your games. Even the elite teams lose. So these things kind of happen. Um, it was a really weird vibe to the game. And I, I mentioned this to Grump while we were there. It almost felt like going to a bowl game. Like, hmm. it felt like... Both teams kind of had a, you know, something, F it. We're going to go for it. We're going to, you know, pull out some bags of tricks. We're going to, you know, see some interesting formations. It was a very loosely played game where it just seemed like these guys were almost lining up and having fun knowing that there was no real consequence to what happened. So from that standpoint, you know, while it was ugly in the execution, it did have a little lightheartedness to the game. It's yeah, it's it's definitely true, and uh, you know that's one of the things that goes into the game planning. Um, I think that at this point, one of the things that I like about this coaching staff is that they've really worked in a package of Beckham throwing plays. Um, <laughs> you know, in Carolina, what we saw was a you know a fake wide receiver screen that was throwing for a wheel route deep downfield. This one was 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 completely different play. It, it was a fake pitch out to Barkley that had Beckham going in motion the opposite direction. Uh, the play was actually I, I was reading this. I, I haven't really broken it down or anything, but the play was actually covered by the Bears. The number one target on that one was completely covered. So Beckham started to improvise and start to run when he noticed Russell Shepard was completely <laughs> uncovered downfield. So you're telling me that Beckham reads his progressions more than Eli? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm simply saying that he's open. He's open. He's open. <laughs> Sometimes they get these jackasses around us. <laughs> you know, so I think I'm gonna request that Section 224 be empty, except for Grump, myself, Ron, and Bruce. Everybody else, and the the, the guys down the way with the old radio. Yeah. <laughs> Our row, row 32, can stay. Everybody else out because we we are dealing with some menses around us. Yeah, I mean, I could go off on a whole thing about that. I, 
that, that's an off-season rant. Yeah, that's that's that that's one that will be revisited. Um, but but yeah, I I I like that the coaches uh, acknowledge that Beckham is the best overall weapon on this team. I mean, I know Barkley is taking a lot of the attention. Is a great running back. He is a, a pass catcher out of the backfield, but. Beckham is still the best athlete on this team, and you see it. Justin, when he catches a simple pass, there's the potential for creating something out of nothing. Well, it's just outstanding. Uh, I mean, he has now shown two plays where he has thrown over 40 yards for a touchdown. Um, You know, the more they work that kind of thing in there, even if those plays don't connect, that opens up the whole world of decoys. I mean, you know, he could just run now. I mean, who knows – what you can branch off of uh, the success they've had on Beckham throwing the ball. I mean, you could even have, I mean, I'm not really sure I want Eli in the receiving end of this, but a throwback <laughs> scenario. You know, something also is keep in mind that this is year one. And then going back to what we talked about about 10 minutes ago, this is year one of the Pat Schirmer offense. Mm-hmm. I do not believe he's installed the entire kitchen sink just yet. Oh, no. So There's a lot that- of young guys and a lot of guys transitioning, and an offensive line that's changed like once every three weeks, four weeks. And it's still, as much as we've seen the improvements, it's still a below-average offensive line in yeah, this league. and still going so, to be built. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a quarterback that's, you know, past his prime and doesn't move, and, you know, uh, not getting much of anything out of your tight end right now, and, you know, all these different things. So if you think you've seen the Pat Schirmer offense and said, I'm out, I don't like it, Chill. I will say, as a an overall coaching staff, I I'm more okay with what we've seen from the Pat Shermer offense than I am of the James Betcher defense. I think there's a lot more work to be done there, but this might be, and I'm really trying to remember, this might be the best special teams we've seen since 2011. Well, that's not saying much. No, I mean, well, I'm thinking back 2011. Special teams played some key parts. I mean, it's single hand, not single handedly, but played a vital role in winning the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, Steve Weatherford, Lawrence Tynes were were clutch in those games. But what we saw with downing the ball on the two yard line was one of the best special teams plays I've ever seen this team do. Jeez, yeah, no kidding. I mean that that's highlight worthy for like the next ten years. They can run that highlight in MetLife Stadium. That was incredible. Um, and, you know, we've already talked to Baldrick Rosas, and it's it's really cool that Gettleman had no loyalty to Aldrick Rosas, a guy I'd never heard of before last year. So I don't really even know where he came from or where he's come about, you know, whatever. But stuck with him, gave him a fair shot. Uh, they didn't really bring in serious competition for him. I know ultimately it's kind of Pat Shermer's call, but... It's not like Gettleman sort of forced him out by, you know, bringing in someone he knew would beat him. Um, right, right. Just enough to give him a bit of a nudge. Sure, yeah, and give him some encouragement. But they stuck with him. But, you know, I don't know that we've talked enough about the punter. I mean, Riley Dixon has been pretty solid. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess nothing really to, say, vote him to the Pro Bowl, but... You don't need a Pro Bowl punter every time. Though. Yeah. You need someone who just... Does his job. Yeah. Yeah. And and compared to what we had in Brad Wing, 
<laughs> who I think was an equal trade. I think both of those guys were obtained for a seventh round pick. So, you know, considering what was given away for them both, they got a clear cut upgrade, at least so far after one year. And they're super cheap. Like, they're under team control for quite a while. So it's something you have to worry about for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, you know, the the Giants' 30-27 to 27 victory over the Bears was not something I expected, even with a backup quarterback playing. Uh, it's encouraging. And, and that's what we're looking for at this point in the season, in this season, is signs that are looking up and the things that are looking down that need to be upgraded. It seems to be a consistent trend week to week now. You know, what needs to be improved and what continues to improve, right? Right. It's it's not everything. It's not like we got to replace everyone. And mm-hmm. now you're starting to see things that are showing some signs of life and some things that need obvious upgrading. So, yeah, I agree. And and, and also, let's, again, you might as well stop with the will we better lose because, again, we are not we are not one of the worst teams in the league. We are going to end up somewhere in the, you know, five to seven range. And if you look at the round, the rest of the league, Arizona won. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, sure. these, these Against bad Green teams Bay. Are... <laughs> exactly. So, you know, don't worry about individual draft picks and stuff yet. I mean, there's a whole, first of all, there's another month of the season left. There's a lot of things that can happen. And, you know, you don't know what direction we were thinking about going. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's way too early to be, you know, making any game decisions for the future. Way of course. too early. It's something we've been, you hear it more on Twitter than you actually hear from the Giant fan in the stadium, which is a little more encouraging, I guess. You know, get these maniacs, you know, in the basement on, on their computers, but not like, you know. Well, I'll say this. If, if you're a dumbass who's paying money for a ticket and you're rooting for your team to lose, I have no <laughs> idea what you do with your life. <laughs> I'm being serious. I, if you just want to throw money away to be miserable, you can just hand it to me. I could sure use it. So. Um, well, I mean, I, I, if you if you're looking that far in the end game in the long game, you know, you're only on this earth for you know eighty, ninety years. Don't waste years of your life because you know you could be a Cleveland Brown fan and you know. You can never taste the playoffs or never taste the Super Bowl again. Don't mm-hmm. assume that this team in three years will be back in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, there are teams in every sport and every country that, you know, they had a taste. Oh, we'll rebuild. And it never happens in your lifetime. So as you get all philosophical on your ass. Yeah. So coming up later this week, just before the weekend, we will have our preview episode as the Giants travel to Washington, another 1 o'clock game. They're all 1 o'clock games to close out the season because we're <laughs> pathetic. But um, Trump, let's not get crazy, but, you know, Colt McCoy is hurt. Mark Sanchez is in. We win this game. We could potentially be two back with three left. I'm not, I'm not getting in line for playoff tickets, but if – for those of you who are super optimistic and you want something to hope for. Man, I hope you guys can hear me rolling my eyes. <laughs> I am not counting on it. I am not rooting for it. I am not, I'm just saying that his division is so sucky. Well, I mean, here's what I'll say. Um, that injury to Alex Smith was brutal, brutal. And given his age and his talent level, may have ended his career. It changed the division for 2018 for Defin- sure. Definitely, and and Colt they were McCoy not even lasting a game. You know that that's not boding well either. Well, you get these you know these ancient fossils that are just brittle, and you know 
<laughs> well, I don't think Colt McCoy's been hit since he got a concussion in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, you know, these guys, you know, we're not going to go down the Kaepernick route, but it's amazing how these guys keep getting jobs, mm-hmm. and they just keep, you know, they must hold clipboards really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, Mark Sanchez is in uh, uh, uniform and uh, had Play? lost the game. He lost, you know, Philly Philly comes away with a win. Is that a final? 28-13, yep. There you go. There's your late-breaking news. So it it very well may be the Mark Sanchez-led Redskins that the Giants are facing. Could actually be another win for the Giants. I guess you'll find out what we think at the end of the week. <laughs> I know you're all on bated breath for this one. Yeah, but. really. And our, our prediction will be on this podcast, the Just Giants podcast, which is on iTunes and SoundCloud, which you know because you are a subscriber and you download every episode, which is so convenient that you can just wake up in the morning, get in the car, and know that it's already in your queue. Yeah, and you know something? I'm actually going to make a real conscious effort to get them up and posted before you get in the car. How about that? I've, I've been having them up around 8.30 to 9 o'clock hour. I'm going to try to make a real effort to have it up before that hour so you can have it on your subway ride, your car NJ ride. Transit. <laughs> yeah, well, does it really matter when I put it up for New Jersey Transit? But in between episodes, you can always follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump where I will interact more, uh, have more to say, will answer any questions, will defend my opinion or defend your opinion if I think that it deserves defending. Catch me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan as well as my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where I had some very opinionated opinions about the college football playoff and the selection criteria and the results. So if you care about college football more so than the Florida Gators, I I ask you to download and subscribe, Mark and the Cranky Fan, in addition to the Just Giants podcast. Both of them are on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you could leave a five-star rating and a five-star review, the more ratings and reviews we get, the more of you fine folks we get to talk to. So I know more people want to hear our charming olive oil voices. <laughs> That's actually a very interesting debate, the college football playoff, so I recommend tuning into that show. Yeah, and we also had a conversation after we taped this morning of possibly having a co-host that you're all you know, very near and dear to being on that show to talk about the NFL draft as we get closer to that. So stay tuned. How about that? I'm not saying it's you. I'm just saying it's somebody. All right. Well, how about that? That's our show for today. Um, go Giants. Thanks.